3: Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode
1: of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here today to continue our expectations series. Now this is one where we take two players uh, and disparate positions, don't have anything to do with each other. The idea is bring in analysts, uh, a lot of them from the Baltimore area, we've had a lot of good ones, to talk about these players and each opine upon their place within their position group and uh, what they hope to see from these players this year. So we'll be talking about
4: Brent Urban and Patrick Ricard today, and here to join me is Bobby Trosset. Bobby, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Ken. Good to be back with you, man. I know we did this not too long ago uh, on number 42, so we're sticking with the Ricard theme and also a new but familiar face in, in Brent Urban, so... Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on.
1: Oh, our pleasure. That's uh, that's for sure. So uh, let's talk about Brent Urban first. And uh, he signed a one-year vet minimum deal to rejoin the Ravens in 2022. There's no guaranteed money involved, which is usually a a fair indicator that he's not a sure thing to make the team. Uh, He played just 160 snaps in 2021 with Dallas in six games, made only three tackles. So we're not talking a guy who's been super productive in his last uh, standpoint, but during in his last stop, but in 2020, he paid 35% of the snaps with the Bears, had a career-high 37 tackles and 21 defensive wins among those, which is, that's a pretty good total for a run defender. In his last year at the Ravens, people may remember this, they may not. They may not remember that Brent Urban actually played 50% of the snaps on the defensive line, which is unusual within the Ravens' rotational system. So we start there, uh, Bobby. Uh, what did you think about the acquisition again?
4: he's familiar right he's familiar to this team former fourth round pick as you know spent several years in Baltimore began his career in Baltimore so if nothing else right and I think we both probably agree he is a candidate to be a rotational piece for the defensive line which has been I would say bolstered uh, throughout the course of this offseason both in free agency Michael Pierce and and in and in the draft but uh it, I don't see it as a big needle mover type of move if you will but again there's a familiarity there is a value in special teams and ultimately there's a high character guy who you add to the locker room who's been there who understands how to win in the nfl how to experience well he hasn't experienced a ton of wins in the nfl based Mm -hmm. on his stops but it's a high character guy six seven and imagine him and calais potentially working together in the special teams unit or on the defensive line in small dosages. So to me, it's a, it's a feel good signing, not a needle mover, but a nice rotational move made by Art DeCosta in the front office.
1: Yeah. It used to be Bill James would say pennants are lost every year when you can't, we can't get 500 pitchers out there. You used to used to talk about Milt Wilcox. If you remember him from the, from the early eighties, it's actually probably before your time, Bobby, <laughs> but uh <laughs> Brad Urban, a quality 3-5 tech rotational run defender. Actually, he's pretty much a comp for Campbell in a lot of ways. I think one of the nice things about this signing is he probably rotates with Campbell some. And the other guy who he's really more or less replacing, I, th- I think only one of them can make the team, is, is either him or Derek Wolf.
4: And that opens up the can of worms for probably what I think, aside from Lamar and wide receiver talk and all that nonsense, is probably the biggest story of the offseason for me. Derek Wolf has been disengaged. I don't want to criticize any player for the way he spends his offseason. We both know, Ken, when you cover the, the the sport of football, yes, it is an all year round type of thing. But for the six months in season, it's a next level commitment. So I would never question how a guy spends his downtime. But he has been very distant. And I think that that's not a reach and he is aging and he is coming off a significant hip setback and a back injury that prevented him from missing the entire 2021 Mm -hmm. season was he impressive in 2020 going head to head with derrick henry you betcha he was awesome to watch in the trenches man he wasn't he he willed that defense at times so i have a lot of respect for derrick but there's more questions than answers in terms of what his future is in Baltimore. And obviously a cap casualty type of, of move I think could be in play here based on the savings. Isn't it around, do you have that number off the top of your head, Ken? I think it's around uh, 12 million, right? uh,
1: Oh no, no. Derek Wolf is, is almost no savings. They saved 200,000 by cutting him pre June one, which they they've missed obviously after that, all they can do is, is move cap around from, 23 to 22 gotcha. which they might do because hey his his salary this year is 2 million and i believe they're capable well maybe i don't know the rules well enough but they they, they will move some some portion of that salary from 23 to 22 so if they need the money uh he, you know he's a possible cut but it's not a it's unfortunately it's not a big savings his contract was structured so that he basically in his second year has as a, a a net neutral contract
4: gotcha yeah
1: uh, he, he turned 31, uh, urban. Now we're back to turn 31 in may. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm my position on the wolf thing is if he's, if he's healthy to play, I think he probably can help the team. I I'm, I'm, I'm also concerned, uh, that he wasn't, you know, trying to basically get back to camp and, and show that he's ready to play here. Urban clearly, man, he's, he was at OTAs and he's one of the guys you really, really, uh, uh, question whether or not he actually needed to be there you know at age 31 and and certainly knows how to play football knows what the Ravens are probably going to ask of him uh but he's out there really trying to prove something I think again and and, and he knows this is probably the last chance for him in terms of making an NFL team I don't think there's another stop for him if, if he doesn't stick with the Ravens this year
4: right this is it he wants to win right there's a number of guys that have sort of finished off their swan songs or finished their careers in Baltimore, trying to chase down a title, you know, I mean, look at Calais Campbell, right? He may very well finishes his, mm-hmm. his soon to be eventual hall of fame career in Baltimore. That's the expectation. At least. I know there was some mulling back and forth this off season and, and, and he was kind of uh, looking at all of his options out on the table and taking his time, but you know, he's made it very clear that he wants two things. He wants to play in the NFL for, I should say, all along, he's wanted two things: to play in the NFL for 15 seasons and to hoist that Lombardi. He's done one of the two. The latter is still on the table. So, yeah, I, I totally get it. I think it's a smart move for the individual in in Brent Urban, and we'll see how much he has left in the tank.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I don't think the Ravens are expecting him to play a huge number of snaps. I would say 40 would be the percent is the absolute top. I think it could be substantially less than that. Uh, if he if he comes in, plays rotationally. Uh he may be a guy who occasionally takes weeks off in terms of game day activations, but to the degree he is active even for sixteen weeks, it wouldn't be hard to, for me to see him playing between twenty-five and thirty-five percent of the snaps, perhaps. Uh, something that, that gives Campbell some rest. Campbell has been an Iron Man his whole career, but I think he's benefited from a little bit of rest from the Ravens, is still playing, honestly, at a very high level.
4: Yeah, that'd be great. You know, there's no no need to have this guy go out and be somebody who who he's not at this point in his career. And you know, I alluded to it earlier on in, in this episode, but the Ravens did go out. I know they didn't make a ton of splash moves up and down the defensive line, but bringing in, speaking of familiarity, bringing in a Michael Pierce who, yeah, he's coming off somewhat of a lackluster time in Minnesota, but they like him from a run-stuffing uh, ability. And, you know, you obviously have Calais Campbell still involved. And and who knows what kind of a uh, big jump Justin Matabike can take in year three. And and who knows this dude, this dude, Travis Jones is getting some glowing reviews, Ken, as you've probably seen in the early going. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I'm still cautiously excited about what this D line could be, especially on the edges based on some of the injury concerns.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think their down linemen uh, look very solid right now. That's often the case when you're at this time of year and you hope your depth holds up. You know, but Urban is a guy. If you're looking at first and second down, how the Ravens may approach a team like the Browns that really likes to pound the rock. Um, you know, Urban, Travis Jones at a three, and uh, Pierce at the one is a mighty impressive uh, wall you're putting up. To, to start defending the run against that team. So I I, I think the, and the Ravens certainly have options like Campbell who can, who can give even additional run defense. So uh, I'm excited about, about what that could be. I think one other thing we haven't talked about that urban brings his team is a handshake deal for a handshake deal. He's making a vet minimum contract. He's not subject to the waiver rules. So I, I would say he's, 85% or maybe more likely to be cut from the initial 53 man roster. And that doesn't mean he won't be there for opening day, he probably will, sure. but they'll put somebody else on the team to uh, then move to IR. Uh, before the regular season, and Brent Urban will be back for week one.
4: Sure. That makes total sense to me. We all know the roster shuffling that happens throughout the course of a season, not, a, not only in the early going. And then you add in that that whole COVID rotation that we've dealt with over the last couple of mm-hmm. seasons, the guys travel, guys dressing, all that. But you, know, you mentioned one thing about the Browns and their rushing abilities, and this is – as we tape this, Deshaun Watson is in the news yet again, Ken, and it just gets me thinking – I really believe that Jacoby Brissett will be QB1 for the entirety of the 2022 season. Deshaun Watson, and again, these are allegations. I do want to obviously mention that. But now we're up to 24 women, Ken. And something tells me that Mm -hmm. the NFL, albeit very late in the process, right? This has been an ongoing thing for almost, I think it's, we may have hit a 365-day mark. and. I just get the sense that they're going to make an example out of, out of Deshaun in the year that is 2022 and where we are right now in this world. I think he's going to be suspended the entirety. I know it's a total aside right now, but it will obviously be relevant to this division. And I think that's going to happen.
1: We love tangential discussion on this show. So always relevant. I, I think I agree with you at this point. I, I, I it, he could get eight to 10 games. It's still possible. Um, but one of the reasons that the NFL, I think, has not acted yet is they don't really believe they've seen the full scope of this, and they don't want a Ray Rice situation again, where they suspend him for two games, they have to go, oh wait a minute, we made a mistake, let's make it you know six or whatever they did for 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 Rice, and the Ravens of course cut him. Uh, but they, I don't, I think they don't want to do that, where they have to backtrack. It gets the allegations snowball and get worse, and then they have to put it out there. So they'll they'll wait for. Some time to come up and say, "Hey, Browns, a punishment is coming. We haven't decided on how bad it's going to be, but but uh, then I I, I do expect it to be pretty bad. I don't think it's. I certainly don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. That's
4: it's it's the entire season. The organization gave Deshaun two hundred and thirty million dollars three months ago. I mean, can you imagine a worse situation to be in right now than Baker Mayfield? He I'm not the biggest baker fan from an off the field standpoint, but i I do want to say that here's a guy who had no business playing last year at points physically, Ken, right? He could have mm-hmm. shut it down, probably yeah. should have shut it down and ignored out of the out of the competitor that he is, he ignored doctors' orders. I think the Browns have done this dude incredibly wrong, and I can't wait to see where he ends up, but the more time that goes by. Ken, he may not be playing. He may be foregoing essentially an entire season in, in his mid twenties in the NFL as a quarterback. Talk about it. Just a this is a fascinating situation. It's the wrong word, but it's all I could think of for a situation that's just mind boggling.
1: Well, he he does have one big factor on his side, and that is that somebody is going to get hurt, and and when that happens, he'll have trade value again, and it won't be a lot. But you know the Browns may realize, hey, it'll be a fourth round pick. And I we don't need an exchange of sixes now or whatever. But it's either way, it's it's they don't they probably don't really want to cut him, uh, even though they're they, you know, they could save a few cap dollars. They probably still want to maybe try and trade him. That that the the dollars have been actually made less fungible by the fact that they've had to wait this long, meaning yeah. they've lost a, a lot of good opportunities on what to spend them on, right? You know, things to spend them on. It's kind of like having a lot of rubles in your account when there's nothing on the shelves. No question. All right. Well, let's let's talk about some goals, uh, particularly for Ricard uh, this year. I, I want to see him uh, provide a modicum of value as a two-down uh, pass. Sorry, Ricard, Urban. Uh, a modicum of value as a two-down pass rusher. Some push to the pocket. Uh, I, one of the things I think Urban can still help this team with is a lot of under on twists and stunts. He doesn't really have the quickness to be an over guy, but he definitely has the length to cross somebody's face and particularly a, a center with shorter arms where he's crossing the face of the guard from a three or you know wherever he might end up as a, as a five, probably against a guard crossing the face of a tackle. I think he can really cause problems and, and uh, create opportunity for other players than him.
4: Are you expecting him to be involved in special teams? And if so, at what capacity?
1: Yeah. Field goal block. That's, that's be his only, his only use, uh, I, you know, he, like Campbell, uh, there's certain linemen, they could be on the field goal, um, uh, uh, kicking side, but he's, he's on the, he's on the field goal block side. So he, yeah, he, he'd be somewhere. He he was a guy in the center. We all remember the kick six against Cleveland in 2015. That was in his very first NFL game. Right. Uh, it was exciting as hell. Didn't really help the Ravens, but it was exciting as hell
4: think that rotational system that you speak of will will suit Brent well at this point in his career, right? You mentioned it that 40 snap from um, you know, somewhat estimate that that you're throwing out there isn't too crazy and maybe we won't see him for all 17 games, right? But that's probably not what they're signing him up for. So, let's let's temper expectations within the Ravens Flock fan base for uh, the the return, the reuniting with with Brent. But again, I think when you when you take a look at at the defensive line rotation and, and where they are right now with yes, some young pieces and also some some aging veterans, it's it's probably a good situation for Brent to be in. And and he could serve well for, God forbid, anything like 2021 were to happen to this team, then somebody like Brent will will be even more valuable than he is right now. Right. Yeah, I I agree. Um all right. Well, let's go on with what what's a good
1: season what's a great season. And Bobby, if, if you're okay, I'll lay out my good season unless you want to go first. Go ahead. I'll react to yours. Fa- sounds good. So a good season for Brand Urban. He makes the team, doesn't have to obviously make the 53 on the initial cut. Don't think he will, but plays rotationally. He fills a hole in the snap bucket uh, that allows the Ravens to play base effectively with run contributions that are above average. Now, Urban's been an above average run defender pretty much his whole career. Uh, with the exception of last season where he hardly played. Uh, So I I don't really think that's a stretch goal, but I think it is a good goal still for him to make the team, basically, and and perform as he has as a run defender.
4: Those are all fair to me, no question about it. Obviously, uh, he he would be pleased with that, I think, at this point in his career, too. He's a straight shooter. He understands that he's got a shot. Uh, and, And you know what? Ultimately, they're bringing him in for certain situations, right? Uh, not going to be high leverage situations probably at this point. And they'll be very careful with him. He is on the other side of 30. So I think those numbers, uh, I would give it a a hard, fair score, Ken. You're very fair. (laughs)
1: That's that's a great point about leverage. I mean, he's a low leverage down player because he's going to be a first and second down guy. Third down, the Ravens are going to be a lot of fun to watch this year in terms of who they can put on the field. So uh, I, I expect them to really lean on opponents when they when they get to the situation. But Urban is a guy who can help you get to third and eight. So that's the that's the good news there. Exactly. Uh, I'll toss in a great season for him. He shows flashes of what made him such a good run defender in the first tour. His pass rush is at least adequate. He doesn't have to do a lot personally. He doesn't have to build up some huge number of pressures himself. He just has to be able to push the pocket, create opportunity for others, occasionally get his hands up and maybe deflect the pass, which is going to be a lot of fun, again, to watch with this defense. Uh, And then the biggest thing, that he stays healthy and plays most of the 17 games. He's had off and on success with that in his career. He obviously lost an opportunity to really get paid uh, with the big injury that happened in his fourth year.
4: I'm sure he still thinks about that, you know, for, for a number of reasons, but yeah, um, on the other side of 30, we've seen it, how difficult, uh, man, Calais has talked about it over the years in Baltimore, right? He literally has a a personal masseuse that lives with him part of the year in Baltimore. So after 30, there are some significant steps you have to take from a, and obviously they have an abundance of resources as NFL players, but, to me, I was really – when when has pulled back the curtain, I can't remember if it was last offseason or the, the the previous one, I was super interested because, Ken, when you're on the other side of 30 in the NFL, it feels like you're on the other side of 50 probably. I mean, just ask a guy like Sammy Watkins who's not even 30 yet, right? And he's not even on the defensive line in the trenches. So, yeah, I, I, I think that um, you know his health will be a major, major priority, and Clay is right there with him on the other side of 30.
1: That's I. I had not heard that about about Colasta that, that that he uh, that he had the masseuse. That's that's fantastic
4: information, Bobby. You're not yet thirty, am I correct on that? I am not. As we tape this, it is June sixth okay. of twenty two. <laughs> I will be twenty eight on the twenty seventh of July.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Okay, so uh, you, you you speak not from experience on this. I can tell you, there's a whole lot of fun surprises you have on the wrong side of
4: fifty. That uh, as a young man you probably are not concerned about just yet. Hey, yeah, you Ken, you still got the youthful exuberance. Don't want anybody tell you differently.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on here and talk about Patrick Ricard. One of, I know your favorite players and, and uh, really appreciate you doing the Patrick Ricard episode. Uh, previously, I thought that was a, a lot of fun in terms of the 25 years. Certainly a very unique figure uh, in Ravens history. He enters his sixth year with the Ravens and the first of a three-year extension, a new one. Uh, pro bowl full fullback for the last three years so in terms of what the ravens expected out of patrick ricard and what they hope to get from him, i think he's met every standard cleared every hurdle um, increased his snap count pretty much every single year although some of those have moved from defense to offense as he's done it uh what do you have to say about him
4: you covered it well i think he's one of the best stories for a number of of the things that you just cited right former undrafted rookie out of Maine a guy that was he could barely even breathe Ken in his first couple seasons in Baltimore because he was running from position room to position room he was in the special teams (laughs) meetings he was in the defensive line meetings he was in the fullback room I mean he had so much on his plate specifically let's talk film study Pun intended here, right, for the the podcast that we're on here. Mm -hmm. His film study and the effort that had to go into every single week just based on preparation is incredibly impressive. I'm a huge Pat Ricard guy. I'm excited to see the next step in his career because last year he was called upon as a tight end more often than not. I I shouldn't say more often than not, but more often compared to previous years in his career, and I think that took away – from some of what he brings to an offense. And so I think based on what they've done this offseason, the Ravens, by bringing in specifically in the draft, a slew of tight ends, that should bring 42 back to uh, duties that he wants to be involved in.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And that's a very important point. But I'll talk a little bit about, it's very similar to Marlon Humphrey playing slot corner on the defense. It might not be the best thing for Marlon Humphrey because he can do better on the outside, but it's the best thing for the Baltimore Ravens when you don't have a slot corner. And and Patrick Ricard filled in for Nick Boyle, who played only 475 snaps the last two years, way down from uh, you know where he had been before in 2019 and whatnot. And he did, I thought, a very good job. He was a lot of times that motion guy. He was in 2019 as well, but doesn't line up exclusively in the backfield. He's he kind of is is H back a move tight end uh, guy anyway, and uh, picking up that and having the technical proficiency. Was really outstanding. It'll be even better to have them both on the field at one time again.
4: Oh man, and when he's a pass catcher in those short yardage situations or or you know dumps dump offs to check down, right? Those are when that is when he's at yeah. his best. And I know that's um, option what three, four, five, whatever, probably right. even down further down Lamar's option list. But man, he is so talented, naturally talented, and his lateral quickness. Ken is something that's always stood out to me. Not only he's a rumbler, he's a b- jumbler, like look out, right. He's going to bowl you over, mm-hmm. but yet he has that lateral quickness and that makes him such a weapon. And, and I know it's a small sample size of what we've seen of him as a pass catcher, but it's been awfully fun when we have.
1: Yeah. And it's, and it's been important at times, particularly that that Tennessee game, that first drive of the second half, the way he he basically took him down the field uh, with with three receptions was uh, was something really special to see. So let's talk a little bit about goals for this year. Um, I, I mean, for me, the biggest goal is that he, he'll play where he's required, but ideally that's as a fullback in 21 personnel or as a motion guy with 12 and 13 personnel, where he's the guy crossing the center's shotgun snap and then making, and either the snap comes right before that or right after, and oftentimes he'll turn into the line directly and be involved in a double team. It uh, takes actual good timing, technical proficiency to be able to do that role. And uh, he's been a good combination blocker with a lot of different linemen over his time here in Baltimore. And and, and hopefully that's something that continues.
4: And Ken, I'm so glad you brought up the technical side of that because oftentimes the average fan, and I know I'm guilty of this as well, when watching a game, you get caught up watching the ball but the motion before yeah. the snap, pre-snap that Patrick, that you're illustrating right now is what he's perfected. And that's, that's the film study aspect of it. That's all the, the different timing and rhythm stuff that he works on uh, in, in his offseason throughout the course of a week leading up to Sunday. And when he is involved in that double team, that is one of the central reasons why these windows and these gaps and these lanes that Lamar and the running backs can find are there. Sometimes they're not even there when Pat. Now, we know Pat was was banged up a little bit last year. He didn't play a full season. It was noticeable when he was not on the field. It was noticeable because those gaps, those lanes, those windows for Lamar and and the playmakers, they just weren't there in the same capacity that that they are when he's on the field.
1: Yeah, it's it. Uh, it definitely he's he's a very important piece of the offense and uh, very important in the run game. And and sometimes double teams are just purely double teams, which is which is good. You move people with the, that option. You create second level opportunities for your running back. But sometimes double teams have to be opportunities to climb. And Ricard is one of those players that also has a proficiency at getting double teams resolved quickly. So I'm really looking this year for him to work with Tyler Linderbaum in particular, who's a smaller guy and is going to need some help on blocks, uh, particularly big noses, guys who are long, anybody who's crossing the face of the guard to get to him and extends his arm is is you know could potentially give Linderbaum some trouble. Um, Ricard could be a huge help to him in terms of resolving combination blocks quickly. So they they, they get a double team on on one guy, they get a little bit of movement started. And whoever is climbing to level two, and I'm, I'm expecting that to be Linderbaum more often, uh, is going to get a quicker go code out of that and the quicker ability to make uh, to, to depart and make a level two block. That is one of the things Linderbaum's been really good at in, in, in studying some tape about him since he was drafted. Um, seeing how quickly he resolves double teams is good. And he's done it with some, some guys who are not nearly as technically proficient um, as Ricard
4: is. In fact, the Iowa offensive line really looked pretty bad last year. Who knows how much the left hand side of the line might use, might need in some, some dire help of, of -hmm. Pat. That's obviously not the hope, but we don't know where Ronnie Stanley will be come September. And I can't imagine we're going to be seeing him very much, if at all, throughout training camp. So, you know, that, that, that left hand side, depending on who's in there come week one, you could see Pat, who knows, uh, helping out as much as he possibly can on that side as well.
1: Yeah, great point. A great point. I mean, I, I think that's where the biggest concern lies. The Ravens have options at left guard. Uh, they, they've had that for it seems like several years. They had one one year they had five guys who might have played left guard. And last year, you know, Phillips ended up winning the job, played half a game there before he got hurt. Then we had, uh, you know, a long time with Powers rotating. In fact, to, to, to start with, with with Cleveland, then Cleveland taking the job over for the last four weeks. I. I my hope is at left guard, honestly, the easiest thing, easiest answer for the Baltimore Ravens is if Ben Cleveland is just the guy. Uh, if if it's if it is Phillips, then uh, you already have a concern in terms of he'll be a fourth year player next year. And you need to decide if he's the better player. It's still the right call. But but Phillips is a second year player um, and not a thr- third gives you more time to develop him. Uh, sorry, Cleveland. And and uh, I am I'm really hopeful that, that he wins the job out of camp.
4: I think the entire fan base is, right? He just hasn't quite <laughs> emerged as that guy. And to your point, it's been a rotation over the course of the last several seasons. So, you know, who, who knows? Who who wants it, guys? You know, did Tyree, Ben, uh, yeah. both Ben's, obviously, both Powers and uh, Cleveland might be in the mix here, assuming that, that Powers is on the 53 mm-hmm. come September. So, I mean, look, uh, depth is not a problem at the position. It's just a matter of who's your A guy. We don't know yet. Yeah, it's uh, it,
1: it's it, it, almost by having so many choices, they 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 are they they have less in terms of surety, obviously, at the position. But uh, but it is nice. They probably have a have a safety net there that uh, that they'll get a level of play that's at least at the above the
4: replacement level. I would hope. And you know what, Ken? Too. Let's go back to Ricard. Sorry to interject there, but Patrick McCarry. we don't want to um, do him a disservice and not mention him. They didn't pay him all that money uh, in December or January or whatever it was not to use him. So obviously they're expecting Linderbaum to be the filling guy, uh, starter at at center. Where's McCarry going to be? Is he going to be a swing tackle? Is he going to be the starting left guard? We know how versatile he is. I just wanted to make sure he was mentioned.
1: No, it's it's fair. I I have a a, a thought on on McCarey, certainly in the left guard uh, competition. But I I think the Ravens honestly would prefer to have him bubble wrapped. And the reason is that uh, if he if he's on the bench and he's ready for your first one for one replacement, he can do that at four positions in theory. He can certainly do it at any of the three interior positions. Let's start with that. Uh, whether he can do whether he's the best choice at right tackle is a matter yet to be seen by who's who's who looks like they can still play at right tackle you know is is Falele ready is is uh Juwan James actually going to play this season with the Ravens so there there's some, obviously some qu- some questions there about about who'll start the season uh behind Moses but uh but I think the, the nice thing about having McCary available is you can make a one for one switch in season probably have it go about as seamlessly as any switch would and then you you if you have him at left guard and you're already playing him there uh it's not like that position you know couldn't be going pretty well, but it limits some of your your effectiveness because you'll have to make two changes to uh, to make a switch to move McCarry to center, for instance, if Linderbaum
4: got hurt. I will forever sing Patrick's praises for the way that he handled himself in 2021. I know that group. I know that line was heavily criticized, a lot of which mm-hmm. was deserving. He is the unsung hero of that group, along with Kevin Zeitler, and they should be commended.
1: Yeah, Zeitler, Zeitler had a terrific year. I thought Bozeman had a good year too, and and uh, McCary's ability to fill in a tackle honestly was was surprisingly good for, uh, uh, you know, for for the for who he is, frankly. And I, and I, I'm it, the 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 contract was a good one. I'm I'm um, I, I think the, the the Ravens will get value out of it because we know depth does not hold up, and somewhere he'll be needed this season. Uh, you know, it'd be great if 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 Patrick McCarry could somehow be healthy and play zero games this year, or you know, play only relief, sixth offensive lineman, do whatever. That would be the most incredible boon to the Baltimore Ravens we could we could devise. Well said. Okay. All right, a couple more things about Patrick Ricard. Uh, but I I don't expect a lot of carries from him. But he's had a carry or two per year in short yardage, so maybe we'll see some additional. Uh, third and one you know third and goal kind of kind of runs out of him Uh, we've seen a little bit of change of pace receiving now he does only have 4.2 career yards per target Um, I I think it's probably better if he doesn't get more than five to ten targets obviously they've used him as a change of pace kind of guy but uh, it is fun to see him have the football it's fun to see him
4: not get tackled it's not a great chance for a big play usually Agreed. Agreed. It's it's that check down. It's that last option that I was kind of trying to illustrate earlier on in the episode where mm-hmm. Lamar is just in bail me out type of mode. Let's dump it off to to Patrick and let's see if we can get a first down. Let's see if we can get positive yardage out of this situation. And and in those short yardage situations, yes, again, another small sample size type of conversation. Boy, the, the football... It just disappears in his arms, Ken. It's a, where does the football go? And I know he did fumble once last year, and he will never forgive himself for it because he talked about it online and everywhere else. But it is so much fun. That's that's the word. You're right. It's so much fun to watch him with the football. And for the most part, he's super reliable with it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, love to see effective pass blocking. There are some things the ways they have not really tried to use Ricard, but either Ricard or Boyle. Uh, okay, this is we, we'll go a little bit off the track here, but it's very difficult to boot Lamar Jackson off play action. So, for years, Ravens fans always got used to seeing Joe Flacco, um, zone block left, naked boot right, meaning you had 21 personnel in the game. A a normal strong side formation on the right side. He would fake a handoff to Ray Rice or the other running back, and then he would boot out to the right. Flacco was tremendous at creating space on those plays and time for him to throw and for long passes to develop because as a non-mobile quarterback, he doesn't really draw the eyes of that backside defender who's the one guy who's got a chance to stop that. Well, the backside defender literally has nothing on his mind but Lamar Jackson for an entire play yes. in, in uh, football. So it's very hard for him to get away with a boot. But a guy like Ricard or Boyle on the end of the line can make an effective block on that backside defender
4: and possibly uh, you know, make it into a more effective play. I love how Pat stays with the play, right? We've often heard the offensive line under Lamar talk over the years, right? the last four years or so, that they have never run. As much, and it's obvious. But what's not obvious Mm -hmm. is how much focus they need to maintain each each offensive lineman, the fullback in this case. Since we're talking about Patrick, when Lamar when Lamar does what he does, you got to get down the field with him. And Pat, I always find that he is always willing. Obviously, Mark Andrews is willing to do this as well. Boyle before he got hurt, Mm -hmm. Aiden Hurst in in twenty nineteen, but the ability to and the discipline to stay with the play from a spacing standpoint and be ahead of Lamar, <laughs> well, that's easier said than done. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it, they've had, it's gotten really good blocking from the wide receivers. Miles Boykin is my guy in terms of a guy who keep, kept, keeps his feet in level two like nobody else. Obviously, the Ravens are going to have to try and replicate that in some other receivers, maybe Tylen Wallace, maybe Bateman ends up being a decent blocker because they both have good size to block a corner or a safety. Uh, but that that's an underrated skill in the NFL, and yeah, when you can get linemen and get out ahead of plays, uh, that's fun too. And and Ricard is certainly a guy who can who can take he can take a defensive lineman. He doesn't have to he doesn't have to block a, a linebacker, safety, or or corner to uh, uh, be happy.
4: You know those wide receivers are going to be All asked right. to do it. You know those wide receivers are going to be asked yeah. to block. And and are they willing? We'll see. It certainly looks like they are.
1: All right. Um, One thing I want to say about Patrick Ricard is that he's 28 now um, and it's not necessary or reasonable to expect any overall improvement in his level of play. We can set goals for 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 this year. But my goal is that he basically is the same guy he has been the last three years. Uh, He's increased his snaps. I mean, I, I don't see another increase in snaps coming. Honestly, I think he'll play the same or a little bit less with a healthy boil. Um, and, and the tight ends that the Ravens have, and they're stable now. But I expect him on, on, a, on a per play basis to be just as effective, and that would be, you know, to me,
4: uh, a, a great goal for him for this year. He's done everything asked of him. Literally, we already talked about this earlier on, right? When when he <laughs> came in, playing all three phases of the freaking game of football, right? He was willing to do whatever it takes to hang around. He's hung around. He's become a Pro Bowl caliber you know, perennial type of fullback who the Ravens value and, and he values, I don't, I'm not sure what his market was this, this off season. um, Ken, I would love to, to, to know that. I don't necessarily have those, those details in front of me. I would have loved to have, to have been in those rooms, to been in those conversations. But all I know is that obviously we, we know that the Baltimore is one of the few teams at this point in, in the uh, landscape of football that, that values the, the fullback position the way they do and they found their guy you know it, Ben Mason is not their guy it's number 42 yeah. and and he is just a he's a main he's become a mainstay I think it's fair to say
1: yeah he's, he's I, I, yeah I wouldn't even put a cap on how long he might still be a Raven uh, which is really exciting he's a he's a player certainly who uh, is still playing at the at a peak level uh, he's at a age where players, you know, typically start to decline. Uh, so we might see something this year. We might see whether it's reduced snaps or possibly reduced effectiveness. Uh, he can actually, he's a player who can actually afford to lose a little bit of effectiveness or snaps, one or the other, probably not both. Um, and, and still be a hell of a football player. So, uh, I, I'll go ahead and go with my good goal for the season. If that's okay, Bobby, you, you get for me to start. Or do you want to start on me. Patrick? Okay. So, a good season for me is it delivers quality run blocking. That is a significant part of rejuvenating the Ravens run game to the 2019 to 20 level. So I, th- they don't have to go all the way to 2019, but if they could be somewhere between uh, those two years, uh, run the ball effectively for four downs occasionally and have success. That's that's at a uh, positive uh, expected points added on from runs, which almost no team NFL teams do, by the way, there's, you know, handful of NFL teams who can even expect to run the ball for positive points on a play-by-play basis. Ricard's contribution to that, I won't even try and define in terms of whether it is uh, what type of specific blocks he might make or how he lines up even, or whether he does more of the motion and, and more of a standard fullback, or even if he has some other weird positional alignment that the Ravens dream dream of him for, but he contributes to that.
4: I think there's this expectation, this growing expectation within the fan base that this team is putting together something that's capable of doing what they did in 2019. And although it looks more like from a roster and logistical standpoint what they did in 2019, Mm -hmm. again, I think the tempering of expectation is going to be important here because even if they can get back to a percentage – of of what this yes. offensive juggernaut was a few years ago, Ken, that to me is a win, right? That to me is a major, major win. So again, I, I, yeah, there's going to be multiple tight end pass sets again. And I think Greg Roman's going to showcase what he's capable of doing with the Lamar Jackson-led offense. And I don't think you'll see him as, how should I say interrogated antagonized throughout the course of a season right. by this fan base so I, I I really I think that's a fair way to look at it that no it's it's never going to be there men there may never be an offense in the history of football again that touch that touches what uh, throughout the course of an entirety of a season can there might not there may not be another team that puts forth what the 2019 Baltimore Ravens did but if they can put forth a quarter of it a percentage of it that's the step in the right direction.
1: You're, you're exactly on the money there. The, the, they had historic points per drive, which is really what drove the 14-2 and two season uh, all the way. And 3.08 points per drive, which was at the time the fifth highest in NFL history. When you compare that to the cap they spent that year, it's by far the most efficient offense as, as in terms of relative cap that has ever stood on a National Football League field, ever lined up. And, you know, it, it, for us to expect it to go back to that level is not reasonable. What, what I think I would like to see is the Ravens get back to somewhere about 2.65 to 2.7 points per drive. That would rank them about fifth in the NFL if they did that. And I think with their defense, the opportunity to build leads and then lean on other teams with a two touchdown lead in the second half is going to be very great with the secondary. I, I see lots of opportunities to basically tell the other team, I dare you to run the ball. Well, it's really, I dare you to pass the ball because uh, if you run the ball, you're not going to catch up quickly enough. And the Ravens can literally, this team can put six and seven DBs on the field, play after play, and be an incredibly imposing pass defense.
4: And what will those 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 first and second down situations look like this year compared to last year? They put themselves in so many difficult Uh, long yardage types of situations on third down that just put Lamar Mm -hmm. behind the eight ball time and time again. So I I think you'll just see a completely rejuvenated offense. Yes, there's there's it's probably asking too much that the entire list of of injured players from 2021 all come back at full strength. That's probably unrealistic to think. But again, we're talking about percentages here. If a percentage, a healthy percentage of those guys, what is it, nineteen or something? Uh, maybe even north of twenty. If they can come back and be contributing factors, then we're, we're already looking at a team that, yeah, maybe they didn't make a huge splash in free agency. Even though I think Marcus Williams uh, certainly can can be a candidate mm-hmm. to be referred to as a splash. But it'll feel like there was a bunch of splashes, Ken, if some of these guys come back to their 2020 forms.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm extremely excited about the defense. I'm incredibly excited about the Hamilton pick. So we'll we'll see how this plays out. But going back to Ricard now, and and what's a great season here? To me, stays healthy. He's recognized as a unique asset, fairly broadly, uh, that is difficult to scheme against. Uh, he's effective on inside combination blocks and, and that's you know those motion plays he actually can do that out of fullback but it's usually a, a motion play where he's specifically designated to do this uh and particularly with Linderbaum because Linderbaum is a guy i think to get the most out of him you kind of have to scheme doubles at the line of scrimmage and let him do his thing in level two let him get ahead of the play a little bit and t- on screen passes sometimes i think he can provide a lot of value to the ravens but uh, but they, they're gonna need to find ways to to, to get him help, I believe, early on. And that Roman finds a way to use Ricard more effectively as a pass blocker. Perhaps it's a way to distract this boot side end in the way I've talked about uh, earlier. Uh, but there may be other play, other ways as well that, that they can think of doing that. But uh, To me, that's a great year for Patrick Ricard. All the other things would still hold about the Ravens' run game returning to that average of, say, a 19 and 20 level.
4: I want to add a couple things in for, for Patrick in 2022, please G dial up. And I know that sometimes these just happen inadvertently based on how the play itself plays out couple checkdown check down dump opportunities for him to go bulldozer mode. I want to see it. Ken. I need it? That's what Sundays <laughs> are about when it comes to Patrick pancake Ricard. All right. That's, that'd certainly be a lot of fun. Uh, Bobby, anything else you want to say about Patrick? You obviously, you, you've, Clearly, he's become more – he's a friend to you, I assume, right? We are buddies, yeah. just He's such a good dude, and he's mm-hmm. got that blue-collar nature to him. He's been paid multiple times now in the NFL, which obviously does not – speaking of percentages, that is a very, very small percentage. Uh, I think about Chuck Clark, right, mm-hmm. as a former sixth-round pick. Not many sixth-round picks earn a legitimate second deal in the NFL. He was one of them. Not many undrafted rookies at the fullback position earn – uh second and third deals in the NFL. He's one of them. And I think they're both great underdog stories.
1: Fantastic. Bobby, so much of a pleasure to have you on to talk football. Uh, tell folks where they can talk
4: football and what other projects you have going on right now. I appreciate it, Ken. Uh, recently I launched a YouTube channel. You can find it by just searching my name, Bobby Trossett. I release weekly content on all things Ravens. And if you're into other things in the area as well, I really kind of coined it as Baltimore sports and beyond. So you know, looking forward to that. I do have some projects that I'll have more information on in, in the months to come. I know training camps right around the corner. So I certainly want to return the favor here down the road, Ken, and get you on my channel as well. But as always, uh, it's a real pleasure to be with you.
1: Oh, anytime, you, anytime you'd like me, Bobby, we'd love to come on. Uh, other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short this offseason, hit me up. DMs are open on Twitter, always. Uh, narrow topic that we can talk about in 25, 30 minutes is best. You guys probably know the drill line now. Cutting some great stuff this offseason from people who want to do series of shows, or they want to do a show on one particular thing. But either way, I'll get back to you very quick, and we'll we'll, we'll talk about it and get you on air.
4: Bobby, thanks again for coming on. Hi, right, Ken, thanks again.
1: We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.